0: And this is a huge topic, by the way, and so a lot of times when I'm preparing to speak on a topic like this, um, I'm just aware of my limitations as a pastor, as a speaker, and my prayer is always, God, let your words be what goes into people's hearts and minds. And so this is a huge topic, and we're going to get into how God is love and what that means for you and I in our relationship with him. Um, but I just want to pray before we jump in and just ask that the Lord would speak to each one of us uh, as we dive into the scriptures and look at how God is love today. So let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you for today, for this service, everything uh, that's already gone on and that is to come just in our gathering today. Um, I just pray that your hand of blessing would be upon us. Um, I pray, Lord, for all of us, that there just be a really special sense of your presence Of you with us. Uh, Lord, we're looking at this topic today of how you are love. And I just pray that, Lord, we would know that more than intellectually, but experientially, that we would experience your love in a tangible way, in a life-changing way. We just welcome you uh, into our time today and just ask that you would speak. And may our hearts be open, may our ears be open to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we always get together Tuesday mornings for prayer. Uh, and we pray from 7 till 8, and we always pray through the sermon text. So whatever we're going to be preaching from on the following Sunday, that's, the, that's what springboards us into prayer. And so this, this week's topic was God is Love. And Joanne Minor, I don't think she's here this morning. Jim and Joanne, many of you know her. Um, she always leads in music. And she shared with our group on Tuesday morning, she said when she came to the realization that Jesus is God, and when she surrendered her life to him, it was because she had encountered God's love. So a lot, a lot of us have experienced, maybe even from other people, talk of God's judgment. And, and God is judge. We actually covered that in this series. It's, it's part of the series of who God is. He is judge. He is just. He is righteous. But he's gracious and loving and merciful. And when he's, when he's acting out on one of his attributes, it doesn't take away from any of the others but a lot of us have been turned off by this idea of God as judge. We we see this kind of maybe more harsh side of God, this more cruel side of God. And Joanne was sharing with us, she said, when she was just wrestling through her walk with Jesus, like she experienced the love of God in in like a a tangible kind of way, and that's what drew her into relationship with him, just the love of God. And and God's love does have that effect on us if our hearts are open to him. And so I want to say to you that, Love is God's language. It's the language he speaks. And love is also the language and the behavior of the kingdom of God. And so you and I, as people, if you're a follower of Jesus, if, if you're not, we're glad you're here. I'm, glad, I'm hoping God speaks to your heart. If you are a follower of Jesus, love is actually the language of God's kingdom. It's how we are supposed to interact with each other. And, and the way Jesus describes love, we're going to see it, it goes actually far deeper than what we're used to in, in the way that we experience love. And so I want to tell you this story to open up. And it, it's probably going to be something you're going to relate with. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping in this story I don't feed into anybody's cynicism, okay? Anybody have a struggle with being a little bit cynical sometimes? I'm putting my hand up, by the way. You see the way that things are in the world, okay? Um, so I'm not, I don't want to feed into that, but I'm, just, I'm going to tell a story that I think a lot of us can relate to. Uh, I was in a, a waiting room recently here in Thunder Bay, and I looked up, and they had the news on, on the television, and so I'm in the waiting room in the, in the chair, and I looked up, and the news station was on. I forget which one it was. And somebody that I knew was on this news station, and she lives in Graham and Ann, New Brunswick, and she's on the news. And I was like, wow, that's crazy that that's all the way here in Thunder Bay. Well, back a few months ago, this woman, her name is Susan. She was on a flight from Vegas to Montreal, and on that flight, she was sitting uh, a row or two back from these two ladies that were up ahead of her. And these two ladies, they, they sat down. They were trying to get settled in their seat. They were trying to get ready for the flight. And they noticed that there was vomit in their seat, like actual vomit. So the seatbelt was wet, and they, they thought, oh, that's weird that it's wet. And as they took a closer look, they saw, like, chunks. Oh, sorry. I just want to get you the picture, okay? You've got to have the picture in your mind. This is how gross this is. So then, obviously, these two ladies complained because they were like, there's vomit in my seat. And then they saw like remnants of coffee grinds. And so somebody had attempted to clean this up really quick, but it was a quick turnaround from one flight to the next. And so the ladies complained to the flight stewardess and the flight stewardess was like, well, there's nothing we can do. It's a full flight. We can't move you. And so she said, I'll do everything we can to help you. So the flight stewardess went and brought them like vomit bags and paper towel, which were like, oh, that's super helpful. Thanks for the vomit bags." So anyways, they brought, they brought that back. And so the ladies brought, and, and they brought them blankets and And so then they were just pretty flustered. uh, And they said to the stewardess, they're like, you can't expect us to sit in this for a a four or five hour flight. And uh, so anyway, the stewardess went away. And a few minutes later, right before the flight was about to take off, the pilot walked back and he got down eye level with these two ladies. And he said, you've got two options. He said, you've been rude to the flight attendant and you've made a scene. So your two options are, you can leave the airplane and pay for your own flight back to Montreal on your own dime. Or we'll escort you, and we'll put you on a no-fly zone. So, so they left. With like they, they didn't want to be on a no-fly zone, so they get up and left or whatever. And this lady that I know, so friend friend of mine, she she actually her and her husband hired me years ago in Grand Man, That's a whole other story. She complained about it, so she went on Facebook and she wrote this whole thing. And there was, I think I wrote it down. She had uh, thousands of of people shared um, her her post, and it went viral, and it got picked up by the news because it went everywhere all over the country, and eventually the airline apologized for what they did, and they went and found these these two ladies or whatever, and so I'm sitting in a a waiting room here in Thunder Bay, and I'm seeing this on the news, and it's somebody that I knew, right, and so I went and I don't even have Facebook anymore, and so I went on Vicky's Facebook, and I was reading the status and like checking it out or whatever, and uh, anyway, I was tempted to change Vicky's status to something silly, but then... She wouldn't trust me ever again. So I went and, like, you know, checked it out, verified it, and uh, and sure enough, this is what happened. And you know what intrigued me? So I'm getting ready for this, and we're going to look today at John chapter 10, where Jesus, he makes this incredibly profound statement. He says, I am the good shepherd. And I was thinking about this airline that they made things right, but what motivated them to make things right? Like, it was after they were publicly embarrassed right? And again, I'm not trying to feed into cynicism. We all have to uh, deal with, you know, big corporations and big companies. But have you ever experienced that where you felt like you're just a number? Oh, yeah. So you're, yeah. So you're somewhere, you're a part of something. Maybe it's an organization. Maybe it's a big industry in some way. And, and you just, you feel like you're not heard, right? And and I got thinking about this airline that they went and made things right. And I'm sure they gave them, you know, money or free flights or whatever. But it was it was because, they were trying to save face. They wanted to make right because things had been public. And so there was this weird motivation that was behind them making things right. And, it, and, and I'm telling you this story on purpose because Jesus, when he talks about how he's a good shepherd, he actually is saying it, and, and it's so different than what you and I have seen and experienced in this world. Maybe for you it's not an airline, maybe it's somewhere else, but you've, you've felt like you were overlooked, or like you were not heard, or you're unimportant, and, and maybe it's a, a business or a corporation. Maybe it was in a church. Maybe it was by a, a pastor. Maybe it was by somebody that you, you thought you could trust and you have just felt overlooked in some way, right? And, and the motivation part of it kind of gets me because, you know, it's so easy and, and I don't want us to think cr- the critical of other people. I'd like to, for us to internalize this, but have, have you ever done maybe what the airline did where you've used kindness because you were trying to get something, Right? And if you have kids, it's the same. So, like, if your kids come to you and I've got two four-year-old boys, um, when they come and ask me for a snack when they're not supposed to have one, like, it's super sweet and nice, right? Like, oh, can I have a snack? If I say yes, they continue to be super sweet, right? If I say no, they just, it's a fit. It is like an all-out war, right? Like, it is like, and so it's funny to me because I'm like, oh, that's what, like, a child acts like that. But then, but then it's convicting when I'm honest because then I go, I actually am like that. You ever notice that? When you want something, you can be really nice and kind and sweet. When someone says no, doesn't a different side of you come out? Maybe you guys are all perfect. It's just me. Okay. You guys are fine, right? But is that not in there in us that we, like, we want something. If it's going to gain, if, it, if we're going to benefit in some way, we're going to be a certain way. And, and I've heard people say, and I think it's really wise, if you want to find out what somebody's really like, just tell them no. Right? And... And for me, I find that really convicting, because I, there's this side of me that comes out that I go, man, I, I definitely need Jesus, because I'm not, I'm not there yet. There's this side. And so I just want you to be thinking about that. Um, so Jesus, we're going to read John chapter 10. Before we do, I'm going to show a little 30-second video, and I hope it works with sound and all that stuff. Before you play it, Corey, don't hit it yet. Uh, so Jesus here, he's talking about, he's the good shepherd, and uh, we're going to look at the relationship between shepherd and sheep today. And it's very comforting to know that Jesus is our, our shepherd, um, and, and it's this like beautiful picture, and, and Kaya brought a, a framed Bible verse today about how the Lord is our shepherd. We're, we're comforted by that. But when Jesus says that we're sheep, it's not always a compliment. Sheep are not known to be the smartest. Animals, okay? So I just wanted to watch this little short video. You've probably seen it before. It's it's, uh, illustrative of what sheep are like. So, I think that's what Jesus had in mind when he says that we are sheep, okay? We're going to read John chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. And this will be on the screen if you want to follow along there or if you want to turn in a Bible, you can do that. John chapter 10. These are Jesus' words. He's, and he's talking to his, his followers. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. He's describing to us in this parable, he's talking to his followers, because they were a people back in those 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked the planet, he dealt with people that understood um, a shepherd lifestyle, what it it meant to be a shepherd, what it meant to care for the sheep. And everybody knew the difference between a good shepherd and a bad shepherd. Everybody knew that when a shepherd was taking care of his own sheep, he would lay down his life for their sake. But But a bad shepherd or somebody who was hired, if danger came, they're out. They're not going to stick around to lay down their life for the, for the sheep. And so Jesus is saying to them, he's like, just like you've seen in, in your life and in your experience, these, these shepherds, there's good ones, there's bad ones, he's saying, I'm the good shepherd. And, and in the parable, Jesus makes it clear, you and I, if you're his follower, you're like his sheep. And, and I'll tell you this, there is nothing better than to be in the flock of Jesus and for Jesus to be your shepherd. If, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, my desire is that you would hear this invitation. Jesus tells these stories because it's an invitation. He's saying, you can be a part of this flock where I'm your shepherd and I'm a good shepherd. And the reason I opened with the story that I did is because I want to remind us that we've all experienced what it's like to be overlooked, to be treated poorly. Like we've all experienced that in our lives. And Jesus is comparing the way that he treats his people with what we experience in the world. He's saying, I'm nothing like what you've experienced out in the world. So there's three things today um, we're going to look at in regarding love. And this will be on the screen. So Jesus is talking about his love for his sheep. And he says uh, that love is recognizable, it's genuine, and it's sacrificial. So it's recognizable, it's genuine, and it's sacrificial. So Jesus said in this, uh, what we read, and I'm going to put verses 3 and 5 up here, Corey. He says, my sheep know my voice. He says... Uh, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Do you know there's been study, recent studies, so within the last few years, uh, this is still true of sheep. I was reading a a scholar uh, in preparation for this sermon this week, and he was talking about he had spent some time with a, a shepherd, and that it is, it is so true that a sheep, will like they don't recognize the voice of a stranger. It's so much so that if you introduce a new sheep to a flock of sheep, that it'll actually run around banging its head against the stone walls for a few days in panic because it doesn't recognize the voice of the shepherd, right? And so you can, you can call a sheep by name, uh, some shepherds sing songs to the sheep but it's, it's not the sound of the song, it's not the name of the sheep that it recognizes. The sheep, they actually just recognize the sound of their shepherd's voice. So much so that when uh, somebody comes in and tries to, you know, take the sheep or, or tries to like, you know, distract them from where they're supposed to be, that the sheep will actually panic and chaos will erupt because they don't recognize the sound of a stranger. And you know, Jesus, what he's getting at there is he's He's talking about you and I, and he's saying, my sheep, those that are part of my flock, they actually recognize the sound of my voice. And so here's where this gets real. So love, it's recognizable. When you and I, as followers of Jesus, face tragedy and difficulties, it's the sound of our shepherd, it's the sound of the voice of Jesus that gets us through these tough times. One of my favorite authors he talks about, he says, you know, if you study the lives of Christians versus the lives of people that are not Christians, it's not that, like, Christians don't get in less car accidents than people that are not Christians. Christians don't get sick, statistically, less than people that are not Christians. And what he was pointing out was he was saying that, like, the difference with Christian is this, is this hope. When, when Jesus is your shepherd and you recognize the sound of his voice, You hear him saying to you in those times of absolute difficulty and darkness, you hear him saying, I'm with you. You know that one of the greatest testimonies of Jesus being present with us today is when a follower of Jesus goes through some challenge and some difficulty, but going through it looks a bit different because they recognize the sound of their shepherd. And there's this trust. And it's not that you always feel trusting. I'll be the first to tell you and to admit that there's times where I don't feel this deep trust in God, where I question and I go through these difficult times. But what gets me through those really dark times, those difficult times, is, is the sound of the voice of my shepherd. And what Jesus is saying to his followers, he's saying, my sheep, the ones that are part of my flock, what sets them apart? They recognize the sound of my voice, a stranger's voice they don't recognize. And I, and I would encourage you, and I don't know where you're coming from in your life or, or what's going on, um, but to whatever it takes to get yourself to the point where you're just immersed in, in the scriptures, in God's word, where you gather with other followers of Jesus like you're doing this morning, to get yourself to the point where you're familiar with what Jesus sounds like. Because then when that happens, and then you're faced with a confusing situation or a voice that's trying to, you know, lead you away from God. You'll, rec- you'll go, no, that's not the voice of my shepherd. And it should even happen in our own heads. You know, may- maybe you're like me in this way too where sometimes the-, the default noise in your head is discouraging thoughts about how you're not good enough. Or you're not cut out for this or that or, or whatever it is. You get these... And, and you've got a, I've got a, my mentor that I talk to often. Sometimes I'm, I, I'll tell him about some of the discouraging thoughts in my head. And he said this to me more than once. He'll look at me and he'll go, Nathan, that doesn't sound like Jesus. Like that, that voice that you're, you're listening to, like that voice of discouragement, he said, that doesn't sound very much like Jesus. And it's this reminder of, man, I'm, I, that's not the voice of my master. That's not the voice of my shepherd. And so the first thing is that Jesus, so love, it's recognizable. Secondly, it's genuine. Okay, verses 10 and 11 will be on the screen. Jesus says, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so the love of Jesus is genuine. And, and this year, this, think about that opening story that, that I shared with you. When the, when the airline responded to these two ladies and did something, that's not an example of genuine love. Genuine love loves someone else, whether there's recognition for it or not, whether there's, whether there's something to gain from it or not. That's what genuine love actually is. And you know, Jesus, in this passage, I'll tell you that as a pastor, this is one of the most convicting things that Jesus ever said because he's, he makes this statement. So he's talking to his flock and, and he's God in the flesh, okay? So if you're a follower of Jesus, you know that. Jesus is the exact representation of God. He came to reveal to us what God is like. If you want to know what he's like, look at Jesus. And you know, Jesus, he, he makes this, this statement here. He says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers. And you know what I think Jesus is getting at there? He's saying a lot of the people that were leaders in the church... They, they, they were doing what they did a lot of times for something to gain. You know, and the reason I say this is one of the most convicting passages for me as a pastor is because as a human being, there's this temptation sometimes in what I do to do what I do for, for myself in some way, right? So if, if, if me doing something good makes me look good, then there's like this self-motivation there. You know, or I go to these, these uh, pastors' conferences and you get asked like, you know, what, what's going on in your church. And sometimes you tell stories um, so that you look good or your ministry looks good. And that's what Jesus is actually rebuking here. He's saying, he's saying to his followers, he's saying people that have been leaders in, in ministry and in, in the church, like they're, they've been thieves and robbers. Like they're doing what they do for self-gain, for self-benefit in some way. And Jesus is saying, he's, he's, he's like creating this new culture, this new community. He's saying, in my kingdom, if you're going to follow me, then when you love somebody, it's a genuine love. It's not because you get anything out of it. It's not because anybody saw you do it. You just love because you love the other person, right? And very, I would say that probably a lot of us have experienced that love a handful of times in our life where somebody did something for us and we cannot to this day figure out what was behind that, what motivated it but it's probably rare. But Jesus is saying in his kingdom that things would be different. He's saying, this is the kind of shepherd I am. I don't do what I do because it makes me look good, because it benefits me in some way. It was, it's just because it was good for goodness sake. It was love for love's sake. It's this genuine love. And Jesus is saying, that's the kind of shepherd that he is. And so as a follower of Jesus, for me, like this is, it's convicting as somebody who's in ministry and in leadership, I find it really convicting because I see selfishness in my own heart. I see wrong motivation sometimes. And so when I see these words from Jesus, I'm drawn back. I'm like, God, just make me more like you somehow. Like, get rid of this self-focus. But on the comforting side, as, as one of Jesus' sheep, when I hear Jesus talk like this, it just rocks me because I go, I'm not going to experience that love anywhere else in the world. You know, if we want to experience. Love or acceptance a lot of times. There's these rules we have to follow, things we have to do, you know, to kind of be accepted or to, you know, gain people's favor in some way. Jesus is saying his love is so different. It's, it's not self-motivated at all. It is completely and totally genuine. That's the kind of love Jesus gives. And I just, uh, just want to ask you to ask yourself the question that, that I ask myself when I read this passage. When you... When you Help somebody or do something good. Is there, is the motivation? You're doing it for Jesus. You're doing it out of a pure desire to show love, or is there self motivation in some way? That's been yeah. That's been a uh, one of the things that I've wrestled through in my own heart. When uh, when I want to do something for somebody, I go God, like I want this to be something that I do. Whether whether there's any payoff, whether there's any benefit, doesn't even matter. I want it to be a pure love, and I, and I believe that. In and of ourselves, and here's where the gospel fits in, we are all selfish. We're all fallen. We cannot, in our own strength, be the kind of good Jesus is describing here. But the good news of it is that Jesus says, when you're mine, I will fill you with my Holy Spirit and enable you to do what you can't do in your own human strength. That's what it means to come to Jesus, is he he does that work inside of us. And then third, love is sacrificial. It's recognizable, it's genuine, and it's sacrificial. Jesus, in this passage, more than once, he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. I want to tell a, a story to illustrate this last point, And you can put the picture up on the screen. Many, you might have seen this movie. It's kind of blurry on the screen here. Um, this was a book that came out a few years ago called uh, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. And then it was a major motion picture movie. Um, it's a tearjerker, okay? And it's not a historically... Accurate movie in the sense of it's telling uh, a story that happened, but it was uh, a story about two little boys, and it was placed in the time of the Second World War um, in one of the Nazi death camps, Auschwitz. And so, on one side, and I want you to see the gospel in this because this illustrates the sacrificial nature of the love of God. So, on the one side, you've got, um, I'll get through this though, emotional because it's so real. So, on the one side, you've got the little boy in the striped pajamas, and he's in a, he's in a death camp. And the boy on this side, who's well-dressed, his father is um, a Nazi soldier, and he actually runs the death camp. And so these two boys, okay, so the little boy that's on this side, um, he just got this huge imagination, and he's always running wild through the woods, and he, he runs up on the, the fenced-in section of the death camp that's kind of in the back corner of that area. And he meets another little boy that's his age. And these two little boys, if you read the book or all the way through the movie, they're unaware of the evil that's going on around them. They, they have no idea of of what's going on with Hitler and the Third Reich and, and all the stuff that's going on. They're just unaware of it, but they become friends. And the little boy, he's got this teacher through the book and the movie who's trying to tell him about, um, you know, kind of the philosophy of, of the soldiers at that time and, and how evil the Jews are and all this stuff. But it's just not registering. He's got this little friend that he's made that he goes and visits every day. And the little boy that's in the death camp convinces him to come and hang out with him and his friends one day. And so he does. And here's the climax of it, is that um, on the day that this, this little boy, who's the son of the German soldier that runs the, the death camp at Auschwitz, um, he he goes in, he he, he dresses like the little boy in the striped pajamas because he finds him some clothes, and he puts on, you know, those those death camp pajamas, clothes, and he runs in. And that's the day when they're exterminating the Jewish people in um, in the gas chambers. And so both little boys die. And the scene comes on where the father is like, he's just frantic because the father of the little boy, um, that's his son that's not a, not a little Jewish boy, he, he can't find his son, and he runs everywhere. And he, he runs up to this spot where these two boys have been meeting. And the little boy's clothes are sitting there on the other side of the fence because he's changed. And he goes down, and he sees all of these bodies of people that have been exterminated in the showers. And he realizes that his son was one of those. And it's a jarring part of the movie uh, because these boys were unaware. So it's, it's, it's not like they, they knew what was going on. But all of a sudden, the father, he's aware of just how evil uh, the institution that he's a part of actually is because he feels it where his own son has died. And so this is a little bit different than the gospel, but it's similar. And so it's different because Jesus, unlike the little boy that you see on this side of the screen, he knew exactly what he was stepping into. Okay, But it's similar because... Jesus willingly, he steps into our mess and our messed up situation. And this little boy on this side of the screen, he was like, he was in an absolute horrible situation. It was disastrous. He was facing death and that was the guaranteed end result of his life and the life of his aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and his whole family. And so the difference is that this little boy in the, in the movie didn't know what he was getting into, whereas Jesus does. And similarly to the gospel, Jesus is saying to his followers, he's saying, like, I'm the good shepherd and I willingly lay down my life for my friends. Jesus takes on the, the clothes of the death camp and steps in with us. And he, he dies this death that we were all headed for. Now, whenever we talk about the gospel, maybe there's people here in this room that you're not a follower of Jesus, you've not surrendered your life to Christ, and, and when the topic of sin comes up and Jesus' sacrificial death, maybe it gets, maybe it gets a little bit confusing. Here's what I want to uh, make clear to you, and, and this is clear in the scriptures, there's, there's a couple different aspects of sin. One aspect of sin is that in some ways, you and I are all victims. None of us chose to be born, Okay. None of us chose to be born into a broken world. None of us chose to be born into a world where there's like this curse of sin that's upon us. We're, in some sense, we're, we're victims. But in another sense, all of us, everybody who breathes oxygen, is a perpetrator. You know, we all kind of giggled and laughed when we talked about our own selfishness and self-motivation for some of the things that we do. All of us who, who've got consciousness, who can, who can think and reason, have have violated our conscience in some way. All of us. There's not a single person on on the planet who could get up and say without lying, you know, I don't do anything wrong and I never have. All of us. So in in a sense, we're all victims. We're born into this, this curse. And there's this curse over the world because of man's rebellion against God. But then we all engage in things that are wrong or sinful. We violate our conscience in some way. And it's just this big mess And Jesus, the gospel says this, Jesus, he looks and and he's explaining it here. He's looking at his people and he says, I'm the shepherd, you're my flock. And when danger comes against my flock, I step in and I lay down my life on their behalf. So Jesus, that's like, what happened when Jesus went to the cross was Jesus, he looked at our miserable state the fact that we were, you know, we were born into this world where there's sin and it's a mess and you know, we, we had no choice in being born. But then we also engaged in things that were sinful. We became perpetrators in ourselves. And Jesus said, you know, I, I want to give my life on their behalf. And so he steps in and he does it. And, and what's different in what Jesus did versus what we see in this movie is Jesus, in dying, defeated death. He conquered it. He destroyed it. The reason that Christians, as followers of Jesus, the reason we don't have to fear death is because Jesus' declaration was that He actually defeated death. And when we put our faith in Him, when we trust Him, we know that we're with Him for all eternity. We know that He is our Shepherd. And my my question to you today, I'm going to uh, bring this to a close, and I have an application I want to give us. But before I do. Is my question to you today is Have you, if you're if you're here today uh, and you're not a follower of Jesus, have you heard His voice? And if you have, but when we uh, when the band comes up to sing, I'm just going to invite anybody that wants to. If you want to come up and pray and surrender your life to Jesus, I want to I want to encourage you to come and and do that um, at the front. And the and the second application is if you are a follower of Jesus. are you asking God to enable you to speak the language of the kingdom of Jesus, which is the language of love, in the way that we love and show love to other people? For one more verse, a couple chapters later in John, John chapter 15, verses 12 and 13, Jesus says this to his followers. And so this is one big extended conversation that Jesus is having in the book of John. And he says this to them, he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you, greater love has no one than this: that someone lay down his life for his friends. And so, again, here's the the two um, invitations or applications. Okay, so the first one is maybe today you, you're hearing his voice and you're like, I just want to surrender my life to Jesus. I, I've come to believe that he is the good shepherd, and and today is a day to do that. If the Lord's stirring your heart, um, I want to encourage you to do that. Secondly. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus and this, this whole conversation about love is challenging you. Here's, here's the challenge, and I felt this really strongly as I was preparing for this week. I want to challenge us as a church this week to do an act of love for someone that, that is in line with what Jesus talks about as love. I remember when I was younger, I, uh, so, and, and all of us, so I, uh, I, I grew up in a place that was really similar to Grace Place. And uh, we used to get donations all the time. And, I, and as I got older, I thought it was kind of funny because you'd get people that would, like, bring down an old couch that was gross. And uh, they'd be like, you know, I can't use this, but maybe you guys can give it away to someone, right? And uh, may, maybe you've done. That's not a bad thing. You take an old piece of clothing or an old couch and give it away. Like, that, that's not a bad thing, okay? It's, it's, it still can be nice. My mom challenged me. I was about to give something away, and she said, Nathan, you know, and I, it was like a pair of pants or something. And she said, you're giving away a pair of pants that you don't even like. She's like, why don't you give somebody something that you actually really like? Like something that would cost you something. That was love. I, and that comment, that conversation, she probably doesn't remember she said that to me, but it stuck with me. And my challenge this week is for all of us, in a simple way, to do an act of love for somebody that just is loving in line with what Jesus is talking about for love. Like something that would actually cost something. So maybe, maybe you typically um, don't give to somebody who's, who's asking for money Maybe just saying, hey, can we go to Subway together and have a meal? Like, it, 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 like something that actually costs you something where, where there's time involved, right? Or maybe, maybe you feel to give somebody something, but, but do it where it's going to cost you something, where, where love is actually expressed. And, and I would encourage you, don't let anybody even know about it. I mean, unless there's people, you don't have to lie about it, right? You don't got to lie, but, but just like to act in love in some way that's tangible. And yeah, in a humility kind of a way. So I'm going to invite the team to come up. And uh, we're going to close with a couple songs. And uh, and just as we're, we're doing this, again, if you're here today uh, and you you want to surrender your life to Christ, I just want to invite you to come on up. Um, you can You can stand at the front. You don't even have to. You can do it from your seat. But if you want prayer, we'll, we'll invite you to do that. Yes, we are going to do communion. That's good, yes. Randy's going to come up, so I'm glad the band's up. And Randy's gonna lead us in communion, and during like right after the communion, well, the, there's a last song, and that's when if you want to come up and respond, you can. I've, I totally, I got all excited about this. I'm going, if, sorry, Randy's gonna lead us in communion. So, um, but there will be an opportunity at the end of that if you want to come up uh, at the front.